I don't know what your take is on this, but I don't think ADHD is a gift because it's too hard to manage. Mm. But it's when you can get the butterflies to fly in formation, then it becomes a strength. But not everyone has that opportunity. And so we have to be careful saying it's a strength because I had enough going for me. I could eventually use it as a strength. You're privileged in that sense. Yeah. And and so I kind of get a little bit weirded out when people are like, well, it's a gift. It's like, if you can harness it and... And you have the financial resources and tools. Exactly. Welcome to Successful with ADHD. I'm Brooke Schnittman. And if you have ADHD and are feeling overwhelmed, chaotic, and negative self-beliefs, you're in the right place. The Successful with ADHD podcast shares my guests' journeys of overcoming challenges, offering their tips and strategies for success to empower you to take control of your life and thrive with ADHD. Let's get started. Welcome, Dr. Tamara Rozier. I am thrilled that you get to share your wealth of knowledge with the Successful with ADHD podcast and ADHD community. You're amazing. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> love it's having good to you see here. you. And you know, I love talking to you. So for those of you who don't know who Dr. Rosier is, she's the author of Your Brain's Not Broken. And if you haven't read that book, I highly recommend you do. She is a business owner. She was a high school teacher, a leadership consultant, a college administrator, um, and through her adventures has developed valuable insight into ADHD and how it affects one's life. She's also the founder of the ADHD Center of West Michigan. She leads a team of coaches, therapists, speech pathologists, and helps individual parents and families develop an understanding and learn effectively her skills to live with ADHD. And I have listened to Dr. Rosier in person at the ADHD conference. She highlights some of the key things in her practice and her book. And I've shared those practices with my clients as well. So welcome. Hey, thanks. (laughs) So where do we want to start? I'm so excited to talk to you. Me too. Me too. I think we Um, should just say we're so excited the whole time and then people will continue Um, to listen. And I just want to apologize to your listeners. Yeah, I'm a little too enthusiastic with Brooke today. We met at a conference. She looks so much like my daughter that I'm just like, hey, I know you already, which is an ADHD kind of error that we might make. And so I'm like, I know you. And then she was nice enough not to go get away from me, lady. And so that's how we became friends. (laughs) Well, you do have a daughter with my name. And it also feels like we have known each other for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. So you did not know that you had ADHD your whole life, correct? Oh, no. So uh, I'm just going to give you a quick rundown. I, you know, when I was in high school, I just thought I was dumb. Hmm. And no one really expected me to go to college. In fact, I literally had a high school teacher surprised that I was looking at colleges. Plus, I was the first generation to go to college. So okay. I, it's kind of like no one really expected me to do much in life. 
And I really think that had a lot to do with my ADHD. I know. <laughs> I mean, I have a PhD now. I'm fine. But I really think looking back, I was a female in the 1980s with ADHD. And right. I think they just thought she's flighty. She's flaky. She's airheaded. It, airheaded, by the way, for your listeners who are 50, that was the thing we used to say. Oh, so, no. Hey, I was a clueless lover. And remember that? <laughs> the Alicia right, Silverstone? Yep. <laughs> yep. I get it. So I did go to college. But guess what? The first year of college, I really did poorly because mm-hmm. I, I had absolutely no skills. And I found football players instead of the library. And so I, yeah, I had this thing for quarterbacks. And guess what? In college, there's like six of them. And so I dated a couple of quarterbacks, never found the library, didn't do well. So you found the football fields. Yep. Yep. Okay. And then I went to a community college and it kind of, I'm like, wait a minute, I got to do this differently. So I kind of grew up and those of you who are listening, you know, that the ADC brains just starts to mature. We're about three years behind. So just around when I was turning 2021, 20, which would make it 18 year old 18. in neurotypical years, I, it started dawning me like, hold up. You know what I think people do? I think they study. And this was a new <laughs> revelation. And I'm like, Hey, I just created this thing. I'm going to call it study time. And I used highlighters and I found friends who study. And so I just kind of made it up from there. Now, flash forward to when I was teaching high school. Again, still, I didn't know I had ADHD. In undergrad, I read about this thing called ADD. That's what it was back then. Sure. And I'm like, wow, I have a lot of these characteristics. And I remember telling my dad, and he was like, no, everyone has that. And he was half right. Everyone in my family does have that. But it's still called ADHD. Yeah. So now flash forward to when I was teaching in high school, I was really a good teacher to a certain group of kids. And you know what those kids People were like you. Yeah. Totally. They were at risk. Yeah. We called them at risk, but really they just had ADHD. Don't you think it's so interesting because I have the same exact story as far as being a special education teacher going into that before I knew I had ADHD and having a niched for those types of children. Yeah. And they were like, you understand me. And I would have to speak to the general education teacher about what they need. And I just gravitated towards them. Yeah. It's like, we're meant to help people like us. Yeah. Well, (laughs) yes, I spoke their language. And if, if you, you know, this ADHD people will kind of speak their own language and I've seen neurotypical people in the room going, what's happening between these two people? And ADHD people will just kind of sync up. And that's what you and I were able to do with our ADHD kids. Yes. Um, the other thing is I taught Brit Lit. And I love British literature, but I think British literature is meant to be experienced. Mm-hmm. And so I never had a boring class because... Um, if I taught Beowulf, we were drinking ginger ale and talking about our comitatus. So, you know, it just, it, it was fun. And the other teachers hated me because we had a loud classroom and yet they still learned. 
Yeah, I was hated too. It's so sad too. It's the older teachers who, and I'm not generalizing here, but there's a handful of teachers that shouldn't be teaching anymore. I think that's in any position, right? There's a handful of people that shouldn't be. And those teachers are like, oh, who's this new person off the block showing us up? Okay, I was young. Like, I'm in my 50s now, but I had a lot of energy. And I got to tell you, I was past courageous to a little bit ballsy. You went directly to your supervisor, right? Like you you just circumvented the levels like, yeah, of yeah, we're authority. not doing this. I yeah, didn't even exactly. do that because I was really sure of myself back when I was in my 20s. Um, and, you know, in your 50s, you're like, whoa, slow that down. But, I, you know, I took risks teaching and I really, I loved my students so deeply. And I think they felt that. And I think a lot of ADHD teachers really love deeply and they love their students deeply. Yes. But so then still didn't know. <laughs> then I went to college, became a professor and started teaching educational psychology. Still wasn't tracking with the whole ADHD thing. My child was diagnosed with ADHD. I told her it was a family. I mean, we didn't mm-hmm. understand then how hereditary it is. But I'm like, you know, you, you come from the stock that does this. And your, your brain works like mommy's brain. But I never really internalized how much ADHD affects every nook and cranny of my life. Oh, every yeah. day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious as a teacher, so you did all the fun stuff, you got the, you know, how they were showing up and you connected with them. How were you in the planning piece and the grading? Oh, <laughs> so I'm just going to, I'm, I'm just going to be brutally honest. Okay. I'm just talented enough as a teacher to do little planning and have it work out well. Just enough talent. And, and a lot of times afterwards, I'd be like, wow, that went well. What would that have been like if I actually planned it better, right? Mm-hmm. So inexperience helped me kind of go, you know, last year I did it this way. This year I'm going to do it this way. I, I never taught lesson plans the same way. I'm always like, no, 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 we can improve on this. I love that. Grading papers. I still, I still have nightmares. I have tons of papers to grade. So, um, that was horrible. Isn't that amazing? You might need some EMDR for that. I think I know some. Yeah. <laughs> it was really, that and being a server at a restaurant are my two big nightmares still. I hated it. Mm-hmm. However, teaching was great for me with ADHD because it had a beginning and it ended. So by June 6th, there was structure. all the papers were done. Yeah. Yes. And there were mean secretaries who would judge me if I didn't get my grades in, in time. It's so interesting. Every school has one of those. I know. I didn't want the mean teacher. So and when I taught college, it was the registrar. You Mm. do not want to get on the bad side of the registrar. She posts names. Here are the professors I did not get grades from. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a wall of shame that I want to have to deal with. (laughs) So you hear the motivation. Absolutely. It takes that type of person to get stuff done, right? And really yep. control a big office from central. Well, so here's the thing. Both you and I manage our ADHD intrinsically now because yes. we really understand ourselves. 
Mm-hmm. But back before I knew I had ADHD, I had to manage it extrinsically because I didn't understand enough about who I was. Sure. And so I couldn't, I, I didn't understand. I just didn't know yeah. enough. Right. So now, now that I know, I can manage myself differently. Yeah. So you became a professor. And then when did you move into the ADHD coaching realm? Well, okay. By the way, don't I have the most ADHD bio? Like she did this, she did this, she did this. And yes, guys, that's ADHD. Totally. Like I have about eight years doing something and I'm like, let's wrap her up and move on. Well, this time a college where I was a dean, I had to make severe cuts and I was one of their severe cuts. Mm. And one, it was hard not to take it personally, but other people got laid off the same day. Okay. They did it worst way possible. I mean, I literally asked, did I do something wrong? Like you're treating me like I've done something wrong, but they just really had old school HR. So it was actually traumatic how they did it. Um, And then later I found out that several people were like, oh, the same day. So it couldn't have just been me, but you know, ADHD and rejection sensitivity, that's done for a long time. Sure. That was your identity. Yes. But it was also rejection sensitivity. I mean, it was just... Right. It was that you were the problem. I was the problem. Exactly. Right. right. And now, you know, I have enough distance to know, well, they were jerks about that. They should they should have done it more gently, blah, blah, blah. Isn't it amazing how we can... And I know this is very ADHD butting in here. Sorry. But oh, isn't no, it amazing? You, you learn what you like about you, your superiors, what they do well. And what you don't like. We both have had plenty of bosses. And that's what makes us, I think, great business owners. Because we can not do the things that we didn't like. Yeah. I just want to say this to your listeners. I once had a person who was my supervisor who hated me just because I had ADHD. Oof. How do you know that? And it was hard. And she was a harsh woman. Because... The, her dean, I went to her dean and said, I'm really having problems here. And she goes, oh, no, she thinks you're doing good work. She just doesn't like you. <gasps> and she didn't. And I, and I know why. She was kind of like a micromanager and wanted to know where I was every day. I mean, this isn't higher education. No one should treat people like this in higher education. Sure. But like if I had... 30 minutes missing from my calendar, she'd look and say, where were you? Did she have ADHD too? No, she did not. Okay. Guaranteed. Uh, she had a okay. rough background, but her voice got in my head and it was a self-loathing voice. And I'm saying this on purpose to your listeners, in case there's someone out there listening to go, I know my supervisor hates me and I can't do anything to make it right. And all I can say is, get out of that. First yeah. of all, make sure you're doing your job. And and here's the thing. I had great reviews. I had I, I was doing well. But she hated my ADHD errors. Ooh, quick example. I was supposed to bring a plate from home for cookies. And I forgot the plate from home. So, of course, in universities, there's kitchens everywhere for every. And I just went scrounging through a kitchen, found a plate that someone else brought from home and left. And okay. I brought it in. She was so angry. And I remember her yelling, saying, you just think everything's going to work out. 
yeah, okay. <laughs> and <laughs> okay, Brooke, I had the same like, um, I do. This is a big problem. But I was in I was in my thirties that I, I was I was crushed. Sure. And I'm telling I, I want your listeners to like hear this because it might sound like I've had a lot of good experiences, but I've had those good experiences only through persistence and resilience. And so your listeners might feel like I'm getting beat down. Mm -hmm. And I want to encourage them, build up that resilience and persistence. And if you have to leave and find a different position, do it. Don't let it beat you. But for a long time, her, her voice was the saboteur in my head. And it took years to unwind that. It's crazy how that can be encoded into our brain for so long that we yes. have to do this deep work to get it out of our head. You were saying like you still, I don't know if you're joking or not, but you still have these dreams of yeah. things that you quote unquote, like didn't like or failed at, yeah. or, you know, and I do, I do too. That's why I need to hire Noel. <laughs> so what the funny thing is now they're stress dreams. And in my dream, I'm like, no, 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 I don't do this job anymore, guys. That's your job. Yes. And so I tell someone else. So I talk in my dream now. Um, yes. Oh, but, wow. That's wonderful. Yeah. But anytime I'm stressed, I'll have a dream that I'm a server at TGI Fridays and I'm trying to get desserts oh out gosh. to hundreds of people. So, yeah. My number one nightmare is that I showed up to the test and I haven't gone to any of the classes. Oh, I've had that one too. Yeah. Yeah. I've also, I, I had a severe job workplace bullying experience with a co-teacher who is, I don't even think she was neurotypical, but she was older. She was my mentor, which she shouldn't have been because Ugh. she was a co-teacher. She comes back in my dreams and it's not a bad dream, but I don't want her in there. And it's amazing yeah. that stress, how yeah. that can really stay with us for life. Yeah. And in fact, I'd like to kind of encourage your listeners, like, you know, when you have those stress dreams, stop and go, oh, my brain's still processing that. And it's okay. My brain's still yeah. processing. And it's just letting it out little by little. I mean, I haven't had the dessert dream. I call it the dessert hell dream. I haven't had that in a couple of years, but usually that one comes up if I am like hitting a deadline or something like that. Wow. So, I love that. So being able to just say your brain is still processing it and accept it. Yeah. And accept it. And it's fine. And, you know, okay. ADHD people tend to be pretty vivid dreamers. And I don't know if you guys know this, but genetically, there's genetics that are tied to vivid dreaming. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so most of that. us have that kind of genetic code for vivid dreaming. Plus our sleep cycles are reversed. And so the nighttime. Um, yep. So yeah. we do our biggest dreaming right before we're supposed to wake up. That's why we wake up like, wait, I was just somewhere else. But just be kind when you're processing those dreams instead of being anxious. Oh, my brain's helping me release that. And I appreciate that. Tell me what got you into ADHD coaching? So you got let go. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm laughing because I got let go. I was applying to jobs to get back into higher education. 
And the whole time I'm like, I don't want to go back into higher education. And this is, this was my quandary. I love teaching. I love it. And it's fun. And it, You're still doing it. it. Exactly. And so I'm like, what do I do? And so I had coffee with a good friend. And he is an ADHD doctor. Mm. And he said, well, you know, you'd make a good ADHD coach. I said, really? What is that? Isn't that amazing? Remember, this This was when ADHD coaching was still only about seven to 10 years old. I'm like, is that a thing? Like, do people get paid for that? And he still, he still laughs. Like, all I had to do is say that. And now you're the president of ACO, uh, which is the yeah. coaching organization. So it was kind of funny. It just took one word from someone to go, oh, yes. Yeah. I could do that. We so have the same story. You're I had kidding. no idea. Well, I don't think we've spoken about this. No. I had no idea ADHD coaching was the thing when I decided <laughs> right. to leave administration in the public school system. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I am going to try to start my own business, but I don't know in what. So of course I yeah. fell back into some education roles, which I didn't want to because of my bad experience right. in administration. And then another ADHD coach who I met here like six years ago said, you'd be a, a great ADHD coach. I said, tell me everything. Yeah. <laughs> and then I jumped right into it and got all the training. I love it. I love it. That is the same thing. It's like, huh, is that? And I didn't know I had ADHD at that time too. Did you know that you had ADHD at that time? Yeah. By that time, I was starting to come to grips that... Oh, my brain might not be broken, but there is something different about it. Mm. That was when I was starting to do the deep work at kind of getting rid of the saboteurs I picked up along the way. Um, and that's gotcha. actually a problem with ADHD is we pick up the negative voices very easily. And fortunately, yeah. you and I are perceptive to the positive voices going, you should be a coach. We're like, okay, we're okay. going to sign up. So it's my yeah. arm. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Right. Like yeah. we have a million degrees in education and someone believes in us in this and it just, it sounds great. I mean, yeah. it's, it hasn't it not changed your life. I know it's changed my life. I think coaching has made me a better person. It's made me a better listener. And when I say a better person, I'm not just being cheesy about this. I mean, I've learned how to love people better. I've, you know, <laughs> I don't know about you, but Are there strengths and weaknesses. <laughs> yes. And to truly love, like, I think you might share this quality. I don't suffer fools well. And like, if you're being a jerk, I'm going to go, hey, stop being a jerk. But it, coaching has kind of taught me, hey, what's their story? Why, why don't you mm. walk with them? Coaching has just made me a better person. It's amazing. Mine is kind of the opposite I would, oh. when someone was a, no, no, I did. I think I have become a better person. Not the opposite of that, but. <laughs> That's what I was laughing at. Like, well, you're like, wait, nice what? <laughs> I'm actually a terrible person. Discontinue. No. Wow. And you're using no. this to come out as a horrible person. Horrible, horrible, no good, terrible. Um, no, but. I used to keep everything within. I wouldn't tell people they were a horrible person because that was my, oh. I would freeze. But now I have the confidence to share yeah. how I feel, but in a way that resonates. 
Yeah. And I've become so much better at boundaries. Um, you know, if I had that boss now, I would just have different boundaries with that supervisor who was so horrible to me. I just yes. have different boundaries. Before yes. I, it was like I was, I didn't have any membrane protecting me from anything. And mm -hmm. so I would just let anyone's negativity come in to me and just kind of take it like, well, you're probably right. And now I'd be like, I don't think you're right. So I, Good yeah. So coaching has been wonderful for me. I think it's made me a better parent too. And so a better spouse, a better parent, a better person. Yeah. Is there anything else you can get better on? <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I still have a long ways to go. Right. Okay. But it really has helped me with, with understanding boundaries. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So you became an ADHD coach. I'm guessing that your practice just boomed. And then you said, okay, I need to hire people. Well, it, it was slow to build clients. Um, and remember this is about 10 years ago. Uh, it was slow going. Uh, ADHD wasn't as like now it's really known, Prevalent. like, yeah, ADHD coaching, coaching certainly wasn't a thing yet, really. And so I was building it. And then I just, I got this bee in my bonnet where I'm like, I got to build an ADHD center. And my husband's like, I love that. what's your business plan? I'm like, it's simple. I don't have one. I rent this, I build I a rent business. this dumpy <laughs> office. Yeah. I rent this dumpy office and I can pay for the rent. Isn't that amazing? I totally did the field of dreams thing. Like if I build it, they will come. And the day I was referring to and hoping for were really talented people. And I have to tell you, I have the strongest staff. I am so proud of them. They are amazing professionals. And each of them all are kind of cutting their own path in their profession that's new and variant. And I just love it. I'm not, I'm not trying to do it. I'm just so proud of them. Like, no, I met two of them and they were fantastic. So if you're listening out there, I didn't start my business within, with a business plan either. <laughs> now, what is that? I think that's for neurotypical people. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think was... it's important now that you have built it to an empire oh, yeah. to make sure that you're looking at your numbers and you're accountable Absolutely. and you're continuing to grow. But yeah. Anyway, yeah, we're not we're not big dummies. It's just we yeah. feel the dreams to get it started. We Correct. become rational to maintain it. Yes, yeah. So you need the motivation to start it. Yeah, whether it be a disappointment at work or yep, yearning for something better. <laughs> yeah, can I bring up a point around that? Because I still get a little touchy if someone calls me successful. I kind of have that, you take that back. What do you mean by that? And it's because, honestly, and I'm saying this in all honest, I'm, I'm at the 55 toward the end of my career, and I still don't feel successful. What does successful look like, though? It's not even about that. It's the ADHD. Yeah, but I'm not really grown up yet. And I'm being really honest so that your listeners really understand. Like, I'm not playing. Like, I'm not pretending to be humble. If someone says, well, you're successful, my first thought is, well, you don't you surely don't know what you're talking about. And I'm saying that because I know that's an ADHD thing kind of built in. It's a belief. Yes. I'll be successful when I'm grown up. 
and when, crap, when, I forgot when. to grow up, grow up along the way. And so I, I, I'm just saying that I know that we need to learn to be proud of ourselves, blah, blah, blah. But there's still a what is successful. And I do measure my success, by the way, by the quality of my relationships. I think it's wonderful. And also, if you are bringing people into your life who are terrible people, which I can't imagine you do, then your quality relationship to. will be terrible, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so did I. Yeah. I, I let just any Joe Schmo who wanted to come in and wreck out. Wreck. Anyone who is nice to you and exciting, right? Oh my gosh, Brooke. Yes. And it, it just, so now I have healthy boundaries and I truly have beautiful people in my life. And I, I'm really proud of that. That's successful to me. But when people, you know, point to my career, I'm like, as my kids say, well, mom, you're just hitting your, your second wind right now. You're not, you're not at the end yet. I'm working on my second book. I think you knew that. Yes. I'm still growing. I haven't reached that magical successful spot yet uh, professionally. And I, I, I'm sharing this. You don't even know what that is though. Right. I'm sharing this with your listeners because a lot of my clients really resonate with that. Oh, yeah. We're so gap focused and we think about like what's next for us and we we, yep. we forget to stop and be like, wait a second. Whoa, hold on. It was my dream to write that book. And now I'm on my second book. Why am I so focused on the fact that I'm not done with my second book? Let me celebrate. Okay, so here's what a wing nut I can be. One of my staff said, oh, and I we hired, uh, we have a new intern. Um, oh, and I gave her one of your books. And I looked at her and said, which one? It's just your book. What do you mean? And I'm thinking your from our lending library, <laughs> sort of forgetting I wrote a book that's doing pretty decently. And it's hilarious to me because that's, I mean, I think it's funny. My brain kind of wrote, oh, right, I wrote a book. Do you see how our brains are kind of wired? It's it's crazily <laughs> wonderful that we have, and I almost feel like it's a defense mechanism. I don't know if there's any scientific evidence to this, but it's a defense mechanism for us when like bad things have happened to us in the past. We just like it really is. tune it out. Right. Yep. It's still there. Yep. Right. The event. Oh, right. But we tune out and like the positive things don't have as much weight. Right. It, it I just thought, and she just looked at me like, because this person doesn't have any, she's person's like, you know, you wrote a book. Right. And she was kind of teasing. And I'm like, oh yeah, now I know what you're talking about. But I just want to. <laughs> thanks for the reminder. Yeah. Thanks. I'll, I'll remember that. Um, but I really hope, I really hope your listeners are hearing like, you know, in my book, I write about being a divergent thinker. I don't think we'll ever fully feel like we're done. I think we're people of possibilities. And I think successful is like convergent. Like you are successful stamp. Whereas we're divergent going, how can I get more of this? <laughs> Right. Well, that's why this podcast is full, F-U-L-L, yeah. right? So it's like, what yeah. is filling to you? Your definition of success is different from exactly. someone else's. So are you full at the moment? If you are, 
that's success. And that's why I love, love how you framed this podcast. It's why I brought it up because I want people to know, like, no, I don't feel successful, but I still feel successful. And I Good. love what you've done here. Thank you. Thank you. And to your point, it's probably the reason why most visionaries, successful visionaries yeah. who will not stop yeah. have ADHD. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think I don't think it's diagnosed that um, Elon Musk has ADHD, but he does have autism. Albert Einstein has ADHD. Thomas Edison has ADHD. Yep. Richard Branson has ADHD. I mean, the list da goes Vinci, on and on. Go, going way back, Da Vinci. Exactly. Yeah. We don't stop. I don't know what your take is on this, but I don't think ADHD is a gift because it's too hard to manage. But mm. it's when you can get the butterflies to fly in formation, then it becomes a strength. But not everyone has that opportunity. And so we have to be careful Absolutely. saying it's a strength because I had enough going for me. I could eventually use it as a strength. You're privileged in that sense. Yeah. And, and so I kind of get a little bit weirded out when people are like, well, it's a gift. It's like if you can harness it. And, and you have the financial resources and tools. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So to bring both topics together, yesterday I was interviewed by Forbes and I oh was my so, gosh, girl. right. So I was so excited. I'm like, oh, God, I gotta like put all these, like, that's all I could, you know, how the ADHD brain works. That's all I could think about yesterday. Nothing else existed except for this 3 PM interview. Right. It came and went. And I'm like, all right. Well, that wasn't such a big deal. Next. Right. So, so yep. that's to your point before, but also they asked me the same question. They were like, do you think having ADHD is a, they worded it interestingly, a blessing or a curse or neither? I said, yeah, neither, you know, right. like, to your point, yeah. if we have the tools to harness it and we do the yeah. deep work, then it could be wonderful in certain circumstances. But right. it comes with a lot of pressure and a lot of and baggage, difficulty. Yeah. 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 And I'll be honest, my two biggest difficulties are sequencing activities because everything wants to come out at once. And emotional management. Those are my two biggies. Like to remind myself not to take things personally. To remind myself. Like I, I was um, doing a call. Um, I had worked with a family business. Uh, whole family has ADHD. And I was doing a debrief with someone. And he doesn't have ADHD. And I was just coming in hot to this meeting from something else. And I swear my brain was glitching, Brooke. Like I was like, and I was saying wrong names. I was saying wrong things. I was glitching. You were nervous. You were nervous. No, I him, wasn't right? even nervous. Oh. I was literally glitching on the sequencing of words coming out of my mouth. Gotcha. I didn't take time to like call myself down before this debrief. And you know what this wonderful person did? He sat there and he waited. And at the end of the call, once I got my unglitched brain together, I said, hey, thanks for being patient while I glitched for the first 10 minutes of our call. 
and he smiled and he said, Tamara, I know you, you have good stuff. And if I just am patient, it'll all come out. And I thought, wow, that he's really loving and he's neurotypical, right? But that was kind. Yeah. That was kindness that most ADHD people just don't experience. And it was beautiful. So for those of the, the listeners here, we have an expert ADHD coach admitting that you still have struggles. Like you are not perfect, but at the same time, like you might get nervous in that moment, but you give yourself grace afterwards and you can laugh about it because you know, hopefully how good you are. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think that's, that's definitely going to resonate for our listeners. So because we're coming up on time here, um, what would you say your number one success tip for listeners are? Uh, Well, I just admitted to not doing it. So my number one tip, honestly, ADHD folks forget that they have to plan to plan. And so what I should have done as soon as I scheduled that meeting, I should have. And by the way, I am, I'm not shooting all over myself. What I am doing is going, Hey, postmortem here. Let me learn. Let me learn from that. Okay. And so every time I'll make, I'll make errors when I don't mind my transitions and I don't walk through my day. And yesterday was enough of a, of a weird day where I was just kind of going through it, not thinking. And normally I go through my days and I kind of plan out, okay, here's the transition. You're going to need to do these things. Here's how you transition. So plan to plan. And when you get to that point of feeling like, oh man, I messed up, right? I didn't plan to plan. Then you know to plan, right? It's like, oh, I need to take a step back and eliminate some things here. Yeah. Well, you know, if I can convince my clients to just take 10 minutes out of a day and literally walk through cognitively their schedule and like almost pretend in your head that you're doing it. I I wrote about this in my first book. Just pretend you're doing it. It works so well for us because our ADHD brain is kind of thinking that we've already done it. And so we go through the day easier because our brain's like, oh no, we know what's coming next. So, well, thank you for being on and sharing so deeply about your history and being so honest with the listeners about, you know, still some of your weaknesses, some of your strengths, some tools that they can think about in a different way. And hopefully this gives them hope as well. If someone is a teacher out there or someone doesn't know what they're going to do, that one person literally might just unlock it for you. Open it. Yeah. Yep. At any point of life. It's been a pleasure, Tamara. Oh, I love talking with you anytime, my friend. Thanks for listening to this episode of Successful with ADHD. I hope it helps you on your journey. And if you need any additional support for you or a loved one with ADHD, feel free to reach out to us at coachingwithbrooke.com and all social media platforms at Coaching with Brooke. And remember, it's Brooke with an E. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.